Welcome to this episode of the Old Fashioned Podcast. On this episode, we have Justin Cush, who is your 2020 Installer of the Year Award winner. He currently works at Mobile Toys in Texas, and we kind of get a background from him on his journey throughout car audio and what brought him into propelling himself into being Installer of the Year. We also continue the conversation from the last podcast, asking him questions on his ideal budget-friendly $3,500 system. So let's hear what he has to say, and here we go. Okay, and we're live right now with Justin Cush. Who's that? Never heard of him. Installer of the year. Anything lately? Has he been around? Twenty twenty. I've been around for a bit. Just nobody knows about me. At least until now. I've gotten probably four hundred friend requests on Facebook because of it. Wow. So you're at mobile. You're at at Mobile Toys now. You started there in twenty twenty. Where were you before? Before that, I was at Car Toys, and before that, I was at Circuit or uh, uh, Epic Customs. Wait, Circuit City? Did I hear yes, that? I, I, yes, you did. I am DC uh, Road I, Shop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can't remember our store number. My wife would know. That's where I met her. Um, but I started off at Circuit City, and I started off at Circuit City too. Uh, yeah, a lot of people did. So did Pate. Yeah, I know. So, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so did Vel. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be a lot of starting points for everybody. It's kind of cool. You know, you get you get in there and you find somebody who. I don't know. At least for me, I I already had a guy that kind of was, you know, real passionate about it, and uh, <clears throat> he kind of took me under his wing and kind of showed me everything. A lot of the, a lot of little basic stuff. He actually showed me a lot of uh, Steve Brown's stuff, like when the Civic came out, mm-hmm. was showing me that. And then I think that was like right on the edge of when the Sinister Six came out, which I had no idea that Gary Bell was a part of until I don't know a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then I was like, oh shit. Apparently, I like Gary Bell too. <laughs> so, so let's let's get to this. How old are you? I am thirty eight. Thirty eight. When did you when did you start like professionally? How many years? Professionally, ago? I was twenty two because I moved to Hawaii and then I came back. And when I came back, I was twenty two because I got really goddamn drunk on my birthday. So that's how I remember. Um, real quick, not yes. that anybody at home can see because only we have video. You guys mm-hmm. just get the audio. But Matt, you see what's sitting on the shelf up there, right? Mm-hmm. Silly uh, triangle award. <laughs> yeah. It lights uh, up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> totally not intentional that it's there. That's actually the best place for it in the house. <laughs> so it's it's funny. I think that only makes two of us. I made a little stand that lights up too, just because it felt I, like you kind of have to. Yeah, I, I love lighting. I know that a lot of people don't. Yeah, I, I love lighting really, too. I think yeah. it adds to builds. Yeah. Kind of jumping forward to watching the video. I think that was this year was fucked, right? You know, yeah. just it's the whole award ceremony being online and just how this whole year has been. I think that 
it kind of adds to your story. Like just seeing the recording that you did at home as you're watching it live and yep. seeing like the just crazy expression you had as everything gets called. I mean, it doesn't get more captured and organic than how it happened to you. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't think that I had a shot in hell. Like, Nobody, as far as I know, other than maybe the first award winners, won it on their first submission, mm -hmm. right? So I was like, all right, you know, hundred of the or the twelve other guys have a way better shot. I mean, I don't know who else was really, uh, if the, who else put in for the first time, mm -hmm. but I figured Dean or Marty or um, John Brettel had a way better shot. Um, you know, there's also Matt. Matt Vowell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I didn't think I had a shot in hell. But with my kind of, with my personality, if I'm going to do something, I give it everything I got. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I kind of had like this vision of, I don't know if you guys watch Street Outlaws at all, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> I kind of liked how they did their like uh, interviews. They'll, be a, one light on the guy and then they'll light something up purple in the background or something. Mm -hmm. So that's what kind of, I, I tried to, you know, mimic was that. And then, um, anyways, I can't remember where I was going with this, but I mean, it was a good video. Uh, you you yeah. sent me the link. It, it was a really good video. And I think what a lot of people don't understand when they do this whole submission process is like details and effort matter. You know, I know a lot of guys will, say, hey, time, you know, just doesn't allow me to make the video that I want or anything like that. And dude, I went through this process three times and I didn't have time either. But if you oh, want something, sure. if you want something bad enough, you're going to figure out how to do something different. Um, and again, like, dude, I didn't know shit about video editing when I started like it. I, I know I have the video at some point I'll release it on like YouTube mm -hmm like the first video I ever submitted, it was fucking horrible, right? <laughs> and you wouldn't even believe the transformation from the third video I submitted. But there's a will to want to portray you as best as possible. Oh, yeah, and for sure. only you know how to do that, right? If you get a video editing guy, he can only do so much, but he doesn't have your vision, your creativity, and that's like what you're trying to show in this whole video. Yeah, it's a representation of yourself. Right. Uh, and I was fortunate enough that I uh, I have a degree in Associate of Applied Arts. So I went to the Art Institute of Seattle and learned how to 3D animate and all that other stuff, right? So part of that was video editing. Mm -hmm. Granted, technology's changed a lot since then. You know, that was back when I was uh, 19. Mm -hmm. So the, the software from then till now is a lot different. Um, but I have the gist of it. So I can mm -hmm. go into, I, I downloaded this, you know, open source program called Fomora 9, if you guys ever want to mess with it. And I feel like I had the advantage on that, maybe except over Dean, because he does a lot more video editing. So I was kind of just mm -hmm. getting back to what I was doing. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I don't know. I spent, once they released the questions, I was up till two in the morning, mm -hmm. every night editing yeah. uh, for the entire time. I literally, he said, 12 a.m. or 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so that's 2 a.m. my time. I submitted it five minutes early. Mm -hmm. I was up until the last second doing it, and I was—I don't know—I probably put 60 hours in that damn thing. Yeah, and and the thing is, is 
as a judge, and you know, I've judged installer of the year in the past. I didn't do it this year. I did uh, a different category this year. But as a judge, you can definitely understand the effort that goes into the video. And the number one thing that we've talked about on the top 12 video is that criteria is key. Obviously, you have to hit the criteria because you can't get points for something that you don't show. But on top of that, there's obviously bonus points for, you know, effort or any other little thing that you do in the video that's different. And stuff like that jumps out like a sore thumb because you're comparing it against all the other videos out there. So I feel like if you're just saying that the video, like it's not my thing, it's I, I can't edit video. Like there's people out there that are willing to learn that trait to do so. And that's the effort, right? And if you want it bad enough, it's going to show and that's how you're going to win. And so for people in the future, what Justin did, you know, follow the same, same path, right? You just got to, you got to go for it and be all in. And that's how you're, you're going to win. I was already gearing up for next year. I was already picking out songs. I was already (laughs) thinking about what my video was going to be just, you know, because I didn't think I was going to win. So, you know, and then like the one thing that was bothering me in my video is I had so much damn floor noise when I was talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had to buy a $200 program to get rid of it, right? Yeah. Or, you know, a, <laughs> or a microphone uh, that, you know, clips onto yeah. the neck or something, something that, because it was all done through my, my phone. I had two different phones set up, one like a straight on shot and one from inside so I could cut back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. You saw. Yeah. Failing and going through those issues is how you realize not to run through those issues. So right now I'll say that I was talking to Gary about this, but the last couple podcasts that we did on my end, they started sounding really bad. And I have two like long ass USB cables. One's for my PlayStation headset. The other is for my Yeti mic. And I was using my PlayStation USB on the Yeti mic and it powered it, but it didn't send, send the, the signal, right? It didn't, transfer the data to the computer. So I was actually using the computer mic, even though it looked like I was using the Yeti mic. So sorry for the last couple podcasts where my audio sounded terrible and I had to like EQ the shit out of it to try and make it sound acceptable. But that's why I sounded bad the the past couple podcasts. Hence the $200 comment because Matt bought some software to try to fix it. So Yep, yep. (laughs) Damn. Yeah, Yeah. like uh, when I was doing my video, I, I had to do a lot of voiceovers. So I was trying to figure out the best mic scenario. <clears throat> I had one where I was reading off the computer mic. I had one that plugged on the side and I draped it over the front and it was just a shit show. And finally mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I have a $300 set of gaming headphones. I'm going to fucking just plug in my Xbox and yeah, work through it that way. Yeah. So do you understand the role of installer of the year and like all the younger guys that now look up to you and kind of follow you and watch you and it's kind of a lot of pressure (laughs) i mean i guess so um i i didn't know if i wanted to win this time just because they didn't have a ceremony you know and i wanted to be i wanted to experience the whole thing right so Mm. that didn't happen whatever i'll still take the win right um as far as like you know how has it affected me um you know you get a lot more like you said you get a lot more people that look up to you you get a lot more recognition people who don't necessarily know who you are probably do now um they look at your work a lot more and if when they look at your work like oh what did justin release you know and they'll zoom in on that goddamn little wrinkle or something you know and right you know we try to be as perfect as we can but sometimes it sometimes you can't it's Mm -hmm. you know it's 
back when I was uh, installing at like Car Toys, which is more of a turn and burn type of shop. Have you guys ever heard of Car Toys? I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Bell has. Okay. Yeah. So turn and burn, right? You, you get the work done as best as you can within the amount of time. It's usually a one day deal. Something's messed up. I'll usually grab somebody and be like, hey, look in the car and tell me if you see anything fucked up. And then they'll look and be like, no, it looks great. All right, perfect. It's, it's gone. Um, but, you know, now I got a lot more time. Um, still, I mean, it's not more time, but it's the cars are there longer. And I, well, and I have you're to probably getting you know? billed for the proper amount of time now is probably yes. the right way to phrase that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get a, a week on a car or something like that and it's front to back custom work basically uh, the top the most top-notch shit that you can you can possibly do you know you got to do that every single day that you're at work it's not just you know a a one-day deal it's Mm -hmm. you always have to be in that mindset of how can i make this better how can this be the best and if you don't know luckily i've got chris pate and david cruz now to go Mm -hmm. dude i don't know what to do and they'll tell me and then i'll do it Mm-hmm. So what, what is your responsibility these days? Like how much of, are you taking on like, Hey, this is my project and I'm doing this soup to nuts. I'm, I'm wiring it. I'm doing every inch of it. Or are you guys like teaming up and tag teaming stuff or how, how does it work over there? It really depends on our timeline. Um, like when we were doing SEMA last year, I, I flew in literally into SEMA crunch time and when we started, we were working on a Chevelle and it was me, Chris and Ed, um, all working on one car. Right. So that, after that was done, then I got, you know, I would get put on a, the bigger car, which is the Toyota that, um, was in my video. And periodically I would get pulled off for like a week at a time to do other, other cars, you know, so that the cash flow can stay coming in. So for the most part, I work by myself. I do everything on them. Um, there are a few cars where, because uh, Chris has a, a retail side also, right? So he'll get a few cars that'll come in and the car will be already wired for me. And all I have to do is build this box for it or the center console or something like that. Um, but I do get the, like I just did a cigarette boat where I did every inch of that thing where it was uh, subwoofer enclosure, amps, a shitload of speakers all over through this thing. So just because I'm in the spot that I'm at doesn't mean that I don't do all of it. I still do. So it's just, I have a specific talent or skill that some of the other guys at our shops don't have. So that I'm required to do those. And say I missed the days when uh, Vu and I worked together, and we had we had a couple of guys that ran all our wires and did all the stuff we didn't want to do. It was so good. I was hoping that's what you're going to tell me. Is that like, no, I have this guy. He takes the car apart. I just, yeah, I wish I had a guy. Dude, I kind of Mr. Rogers did. I come in, I change my shoes, I change my jacket. Yeah. There are times, though, where I hate the fact that I haven't taken a car apart. But I'm like, how does this go back together? You know, or, you know, it's like this was this scratch to begin with or whatever it may be. It's, I'd like to know that it was like that or how it comes in. Right. You know, or where's this goddamn bolt that they put this, you know, place Mm -hmm. someplace in a Ziploc bag somewhere in the trunk. That part kind of gets a little frustrating. What what are the one things that you guys hate doing our audio wise, even 12 volt, 12 volt wise? There's one thing in particular. I I hate doing alarms. I I was going to say alarms. (laughs) I hate them so much. I can do them. 
I just hate them. And especially once they switched over to the, the data stuff, I'm relying on somebody else's like software and engineering to do things for me. And when it doesn't work properly and not being able to know why, you know, putting a meter on it and seeing that it's doing something drives me nuts. I would um, say I, I would say not so much on the alarm. I actually like doing alarm remote starts because it's you're just following instructions, right? You're just reading a wiring diagram and doing it. And if it doesn't work, then it's software related for the most no part. No engine noise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say the shittiest thing, like if I if I have a big break in custom jobs and I'm doing like sound effects work, right? So just normal stuff that's coming in. If it was like a fucking amp sub in like a 08 Civic, I'm like, I don't want to fuck with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because again, yeah. Gary and I went into the weeds on Sounds one of our podcasts. Snooty, Matt. About, snooty. No, it's about just how much work that is in just a, such a small paying job. It just, it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> Another thing that I hate doing was uh, heated seats. I... I can't stand taking them apart. A lot of people are fast as shit at them, and I'm just not. And uh, yeah, it's, that's those are my two things: alarm, remote starts, and heated seats. One yeah, thing. Luckily, about, like, we don't we do we don't do much of either of those at my shop. So. <laughs> yeah, you probably get the. Uh, do they make an aftermarket kit for ass coolers? Right. Uh, Why do you need heated seats in Texas? Or, or are no, you talking no, about no. more Seattle when you're in? Well, Washington? when I was in Seattle, uh, yeah, I mean that's when I would do a lot of them. Uh, but since since I quit Epic or so, since they closed down. So where, where did you work in Washington? So I started off at Circuit City, <clears throat> worked there for five years. What Which Circuit City? The one, uh, it's, so I lived an hour south of Seattle in a place called Tacoma. Mm -hmm. So it was the Tacoma. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Is that anywhere near Kirkland? Yes. How do you not know where Tacoma is if you've been in Kirkland? <laughs> because I lived in Kirkland when I was three. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was shot. three. We had plenty of shout outs to the people in Kirkland. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> um, no, but but my sister, she she lived in Bellevue for a while. And I visited Seattle a few times. Gotcha. What do you think of Seattle? I loved it. It was one of the most beautiful places I've ever visited. It is damn nice looking, but when it's not damn nice looking, it's super depressing. Dude, w w the week we went, it was, even my sister was like, it's never been like this ever. It was like we were there for six days, and every day was like perfectly sunny. We went to Alki Beach like every other day. Um, we ate at, let me see, Salty's. It's okay. a place on Alki Beach where uh, Bill Gates goes. That was really good. But it, dude, it was beautiful. And just the fact, just the fact that you can see tall, like 200 year old pine trees and then you can see mount rainier in the background and then there's a beach like dude it's just it has everything matt could you imagine if you Except for nice hot were weather thinking about moving there or something and you went for those seven days and it was that perfect oh, and that's just what you thought it dude, always was then you we, moved there and you were my like wife and i considered moving there we actually did a house tour oh, with like a neighborhood I, I forget what the city was it started with an r near seattle Redmond. Um, Yes, Redmond. Um, we did like a house tour of a neighborhood because we're like, maybe we should move here. <laughs> I, you got to have a, an awful lot of money to uh, live in, up there, up in north. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, right. so, it, yeah it's, it's a nice place to, if you, if during the summer years, which is like a month, 
Um, so anyways, I was working at Circuit City, worked there for five years. Uh, the guy who kind of taught me and showed me the ropes is a good friend of mine. His name's Anthony Lyons. He still installs today, sort of, kind of does it on the side. Um, they, before, I kind of got the hint that they were kind of going under, right? Like, you know, they weren't getting as busy and they were kind of shifting how management works and stuff. So I was like, all right, it's, it's time to move on. I want to get, I want to make some more money. Right. So went on to car toys and I was pro I was the best installer at circuit city at five years. Right. Which five years is still pretty green in my opinion, depending on, you know, whether you have who you have teaching you. Right. So went into Cartways and basically was like instantly humbled. We had guys there that had been doing it for 30 years, 10 years, another 30 years. And I did the math one time and we had over a hundred years of experience in that one shop. We were the number one shop in the uh, company a couple times. Anyways. So that was pretty cool. got to learn a lot. Um, they actually had a functioning wood shop, which was pretty cool and learned how to, you know, they were like, Hey, will you build this box? And it's like, sure. And they were like, Hey, so you need to do this and calculate airspace. I'm like, what is that? What do you mean? Calculate airspace. <laughs> <laughs> so then he said, all right, here's the magic number 1728. Why is mm -hmm. that? Why is that the magic number? Okay. Well, you know, you do this and 12 times, 12 times 12, 1728. So, um, there was a couple of really good guys there that were really good just at custom work and working with the kind of tools they had. Uh, I mean, literally the only, other than a table saw, they had a jigsaw and a handheld router. Those were like the wood fabbing stuff, no jigs, but still was able to produce some pretty cool stuff there. You know, one day, if not three day deals, I kind of got burnt out with them uh, because they are a big corporation that their, their bottom thing is, money right like hitting goals i don't care what it takes you get a dash kit and that's wrong you got to make it work so then you're building a dash kit for basically free because we were all commissioned there you know mm -hmm. so they didn't care um <clears throat> i got a phone call from a buddy of mine who used to work there to go to epic customs and they were kind of a growing new shop they'd only been around for a year and i went in there and they had like a very small 12 volt department i basically worked there and ended up taking the the managers the cart 12 volt guys manager spot whatever you want to call them um and running that place for a bit and then one day our uh, store owner pulled us into the shop and was like we're closing i was like oh cool so i get on the phone and called one of my buddies who worked at cartway still and got a job the same day and went back out there uh grinded that for i don't know a year or so and Ended up taking a manager spot there and I hated it. You know, the further you get up the chain, the less you do of what you love, you know, dealing with the corporate drama and all that crap. And so got out of there and went back to just installing. Right. So one day, Chris Pate posted on Facebook, he's looking for a 12 volt guy. So I was like, all right, I'm going to message him, you know, immediately called me right away, chatted about it for a little bit. And I was like, all right, I got to talk to the wife about this, you know, cause She's pretty important to me and uh, mm -hmm. my decision making. And uh, she said, "Yeah, let's do it. You know, let's go. Let's get you out of Cartways. Let's get you. Let's get you doing what you want to do, right? And kind of, you know, Chris already is established. He's already doing the big stuff that that I want to do. He's got the big custom jobs and all that other jazz, right? So, mm -hmm. um, we flew out here and kind of checked out the place. And I, 
I'd never been to Texas before, right? I don't know if you uh, you guys have because you've always been to K-Fest. Mm-hmm. I literally thought Texas was like dust and tumbleweeds, like the Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> so little I know, I get here and there's, you know, grass and a little bit of trees and stuff. So I was like, all right, cool. I can definitely do this. You know, and I was talking to my, <laughs> my wife and before we flew out here, I was like, if this place doesn't have AC, I'm not going. Fuck that, right? I get there and it doesn't have AC. And then we get back on the plane. I'm like, I'm still going. <laughs> I'm still going to move down here. So then we, we moved down here. We, uh, that was a shot at Chris to get some AC. Right. Yeah, no, we, well, we are the now. new building. Yeah. We've got yeah. a new building. He's already shot for some AC. Um, I actually like hot weather. Uh, I don't mean a hundred degrees is a little much, you know, and humidity, but, um, it's not bad. Like I, I can't complain too much. But when we get into the new building, we'll have AC and we'll be all good there. So anyways, we, we moved out here in October of last year, 2019, 20, I don't know. Anyways, I've been here for a year now, just a little over. And it was like October crunch time, SEMA. And like day three of being here, I went out and took the kids to a trampoline park. And I ended up rolling my ankle so damn bad. I had to wear a boot cast for the entire time, all the way up until SEMA. So that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty epic. (laughs) And, uh, so that kind of brings us to current status. I've just been cranking out cars and enjoying it while I can. COVID kind of sucks because, uh, can't go. I mean, we, we got a lot more freedoms in like Washington because I still talk to everybody up there, but Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I literally know only the people at work. So I don't know anybody, basically. Yeah. I hang out with Chris on, on the weekends when he's not working. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. That's so got to hang out with the wife and hang out with the kids. And that's about it. You know, so, working every so day. The most, the most important question that uh, Jim Skaggs would make me ask you is Have you had Rudy's? Yes. <laughs> How did you know about Rudy's? There's nothing better than Ruby, Rudy's barbecue sauce. Um, so funny story behind this, because I, 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 I feel like Jim might've said, Hey, ask him about Rudy's. Cause I was telling him that when I came down here to first visit, I was like, I want to, I want some Texas barbecue. Right. So Chris takes me to Rudy's and I eat it and I was like, okay, thanks Chris. And then I get in the car with the wife and I'm like, this is pretty fucking mediocre. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so then, but. Then there's this new joint. I don't know how new it is. It's pretty nice though. It's called Cooper's. That place is legit. It's got some goddamn good uh, ribs. So Gary, make sure at the end of the pod we apologize to Rudy's. There's no need to apologize to Rudy's. They can take it. They're professionals. <laughs> and then it's uh, production barbecue. What do you want? Yeah. If, but the if sauce you guys is are good. if you guys are ever out in uh, Austin, there's a place called Style Switch. Yeah, it's on my list. So good, so damn good. What's I want to say? What the last time? Last time I came out and saw Chris, I had I want to say it's called Southside Market, and they literally have a drive-through. And I in the rental car, I went through on my way to Chris's from the airport. And I'm like, I need barbecue now. Just and fucking now. eating away yeah. at them ribs and getting oh, yeah. barbecue Just sauce right all over the right steering wheel. Going for it. <laughs> yeah, it was delicious. That's awesome. So what, so have you set new goals? Like I take it that installer of the year was a goal. Yes. Have you set a new goal? Like what's the, what's the, what do you do after this? Disneyland? Yeah. Well, I've been, 
Disney World because Disneyland is closed. Whatever. Whatever. Have you been to Disneyland before? Just real quick question. Disneyland, no. Disney World, yes. Okay. Tons of I've been to both. Land is better than world. No, it's not. Yes, it is. You're probably the only person in America that would say that. The fast pass itself and how it works in land is better than the world. You're crazy. Just saying. Disney Disneyland is like Walmart and Disney World is like Target. Just because it has world doesn't mean that it's great. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um anyways, new goals, right? So <laughs> I kind of knocked out three huge goals in like 6 months, right? Cuz my first goal was top 50 and I made that and I was like, "All right, cool." Then top 12. And then you know, in start of the year I haven't really had a huge thought on what's next. Um, I do want to become uh, MECP master certified. So I think that's one that I'm setting up there. Um, other than that, I don't know currently yet. I got to buy a house. I still have one in Washington, but I mean, other than that, 12 volt wise, I don't know. I kind of want to teach uh, some classes. I want to teach at Mobile Solutions. Um, want to do something at knowledge fest i was thinking maybe because i draw a lot was maybe like a class on how to teach procreate or something like that nice stay ambitious yeah i gotta figure something always out. keep goals yeah always got to keep goals all the way up see i haven't been a really goal oriented person in my life there's things that i've wanted to do but i didn't really consider them goals right so like my first goal that i set was to you know uh win top 50 and went all the way up to number one. So that was, that was kind of crazy that, you know, I just blasted that a goal out like it was nothing, even though it was harder than shit. Don't let that shit fool you. Yeah, I definitely do need to set some more goals in my life uh, on more things that I want to achieve. And I'll give it some long so, thought though. So you had mentioned uh, Steve Brown. Yes. Um, you're 38. You're kind of close to, to my age. What was the big motivating factors growing up? Like, did you look at magazines? Was it more internet? What really got you and propelled you through your career? Magazines were definitely it right off the bat. Um, I've always been a car guy. Like when I first got into car audio, it wasn't because I got to do audio. It was because I got to work on cars. Um, I've always been like more on the performance side for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I, you know, kind of hard to say, like when that spark hit me, you know, it's like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I should try to become as best as I can at it. Um, but it, I, it was like super street magazine was kind of like one of them. Um, what was the other one? That was, uh, import tuner, super yes. street, mm-hmm. import tuner. That was it. And I would get those magazines every time and go through them and check out, you know, all the badass builds and cool stuff like that. Um, was real heavy into hot import nights. I didn't have, uh, a badass GSX with one Lambo door and suicide door. Um, <laughs> I had a, my, my first customized car was my 88 Toyota Camry and I called it the Camgini and okay. it was slower and shit, <laughs> zero engine mods, except for an, in, uh, a filter intake filter. That's the only thing I could do. Hopefully it was um, engine. <laughs> um, let's see what did I had an undercar neon kit blue that I put on. That was like my first 12 volt experience. The actual neon, or was it LED? Actual, actual neon. neon. Okay, the, good. Yeah, the good stuff. Okay. Legitimate. OG. 
Yes. Uh, I had a like a big shopping cart wing on it. Um, I had smoked the taillights. I kind of went crazy with painting little graphics on the car when I should have just got a goddamn sticker made. Um, I painted the hood black. I cut air vents in the hood and kind of like a triangle shape with like little, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, but, and then I put mesh in there and then an, another LED tube inside the engine bay. Gary would, and I fully expect pictures in our messenger. Right. I've, I've been trying to find some still. Um, I ended up uploading them to a website called hotornot.com and they might be on there still. <laughs> It's they are terrible. Like that sounds like black... that might not be a car site anymore. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Um, they had bl the black molding that goes down the side of the car. I filled that entire damn thing with Bondo and just sanded it flat, but it wasn't flat. It had like, you know, a little concave stuff. Cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It, it was bad. It was my first car that I should have never touched. I molested that car. That's fun bad. though. Oh yeah. It was definitely fun. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then like I did get a girlfriend or something. And they'd be like, this is your car. And I'm like, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but after that, I ended up getting, um, got a motorcycle, Katana 600. Uh, I painted that thing flat black with like some red tribal. Didn't really do anything other than that with it. That was actually done. Did you have a leather jacket that said Kush on the back with like a big uh, skull? No, actually, this is this is when I lived in Hawaii. So, uh, I wore almost nothing when I was driving down the streets. It was just like a helmet and some underwear or something. I was really bored shorts, but still. So after the motorcycle and that got stolen, moved on out of my life. Uh, I got a um, '94 Civic hatchback, and that I wouldn't say I molested that one. That one wasn't too bad. I ended up getting like some Del Sol rims and front lip. And I had the absolute cheapest audio system, like subwoofers and amp I've ever put in any car, period. So I can't remember. It was like a house brand of Circuit Cities, right? And they had sat in the back stock room for ever, from what I understand. And they were 20 bucks for the amp and 20 bucks for each sub. Wow. Okay. So I, I was envisioning Blah Punk when you were starting baller, it was basically i mean it was probably about that um equivalent of quality it was terrible but i mean it hammered down it was inside of a civic hatch yeah, so it could have been an eight inch and it would have yeah, rocked your world that was actually the um first subwoofer enclosure that i built for that car so what's that turning point when you're like i want a fab i want to i guess be more involved in the industry whatever that is for you. I always liked building shit like Legos doesn't matter. I always liked it. So when I got into the 12 volt and saw that, you know, you could build these enclosures and stuff, I was like, yeah, that I'm about that. You know, it's that part's fun to me. When I got the, the, let's see here. It's hard to explain. Okay. it's not hard to explain. It's just a matter of when. So first time I experienced subs, right? Like I've generally been, it always starts or, with subs with people, doesn't it, it Gary? Does. Every yeah. single person it comes back to subs. Except nobody for Nick, was it was home speakers because nobody you know. was ever like, you know what? I heard these fucking tweeters and they sounded <laughs> so good. Because you've already they experienced tweeters, so real and so yeah. smooth. Uh, my buddy, my best friend at the time had a what are those god awful 
Mustangs. It's like an 82 or something like that. Terrible. So he had a Mustang and he got 112 in it. And it was, we used to hammer down while we were cruising the mall, right? Just, we do a loop around the mall, just blasting some bass. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, but it's a terrible song. It's called, it's uh, by Lords of Acid. It's called Pussy. Okay. It's electronic. So it hammers, right? Okay. <laughs> and so we would just blast that, do a loop around the mall and then go park and walk inside. And that's basically when I was like, bass is awesome. I need it in my life. So then that's when I got the Civic and put that in my car. Um, and that was kind of, I don't know, the, the point where I definitely liked audio, definitely ha- wanted to get further into it. When I really went into like Circuit City and stuff, or Car Toys, is when I wanted to be better than anybody else, than everybody was there, you know, because like I said, I got humbled and I don't like, you know, being the, the low man on the totem pole or however you want to call it. So I busted my ass, learned as much as I could, um, got advanced certified. Um, which back then I think was called first class certified. Um, are you master certified, Matt? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I think it's, you, Gary? I, I think it's I, expiring I soon. So I, I haven't taken a test over. since 93. When you're a legend like you are, you don't need tests to fucking tell everybody <laughs> that you're the shit. <laughs> um, so anyways, I would say, I don't know when I went to, uh, probably car toys was probably my turning point of, being not just a performance building kind of guy, but really getting into the audio because like, you know, when we were at Circuit City, man, we didn't have Focal. We had, I don't know, Kicker was our high-end brand, if I remember right. Not not to say anything bad about Kicker. Right, right. Right. That's that's I, even better when, when I was there, it was like JBL. You oh, know what? Yeah, we, had sound, we had Soundstream back in the day when it was good for a little bit. That was, yeah. uh, that was the pinnacle of Circuit City. I think even it had the Audiobond amps, if I remember right. Oh, gosh. The Flame Series ones. Ooh. Those were awesome. That's way after my Circuit City days. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, so, you, you know, you go back at, and you listen to the soundboards, right? Like, you know, they, they have the Focal K2s, right? And they're $1,000 speakers. So you want to hear what $1,000 speakers sound like. So that's kind of like, you know, the the high end there that was before even i think dsps were out dsps man they uh they used to battle me a while a lot when you guys first started doing dsps did you fucking hate them Eh, i'll I'll tell you this so first dsp stuff that i played with i want to say that we did like some sony es stuff like late nine mid 90s and then the first processors i remember dealing with and i I wasn't the one tuning them at the time, but in like 97, 98, we were doing the, whatever the old school Alpine, I want to say it was like a six something um, DSP. And even up into the seven tens, it was still relatively simple. You had a controller. There were some pioneer like in dash type stuff and Clarion black box (laughs) stuff. That was all relatively straightforward. I would say what, what became frustrating is when like I, I feel like Audison kind of pushed that and kind of made it popular and the bit products and I feel like they've always been frustrating from a software and that that side of things has always been 
and, and it still is to this day. Like anytime you have to use a new processor for the first time, there's a learning curve mm-hmm. and getting through that and just getting set up to, to stage one and then understanding the interface. Yeah. It's like, uh, that's it's always like, a challenge. It's like being a PC guy and then going to Mac or being a yeah, Mac yeah. guy and then going to PC. It's just a whole new thing to learn. And you feel comfortable in something that works for you. Right. Cause I've used, you know, I've used a lot of the Helix stuff. I've used a lot of the Moscone stuff and, Obviously, I, I prefer the Moscone because I can do the whole workflow fair, fairly quickly with a very predictable result um, in no time versus right. if and I go with something else. And it, it again, it's it's the learning curve. It's like, okay, so how do I uh, group delay these four speakers? How do I do this? And you're trying to learn the software. And once you know, you know. But at the, en- at the end of the day, it's really what you prefer. And when we first started when I was using uh, like a bit one, you know, I'd have a lot of just dumb issues where like it wouldn't save. And then you got to go through the whole fucking thing all over again. Right. And, you know, there was a couple of them. I had like a a mute chip problem to where you go and you save everything and then it just doesn't take. And it like attenuates everything and it's a bad processor. I went through like two of them and then that's when I switched to Moscone for good. Yeah. Yeah. Or other ones where it wants you to run that setup and it like, and then it doesn't calibrate, right? It's like, let's run the setup again. And oh yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of time uh, talking with Yusuf about that. Shout out to Yusuf gone (laughs) too soon from our industry. Uh, Great dude. But obviously that conversation talking about Audison really reminded me of talking to him when I was talking through all these Audison bit one problems. Yeah. Um, my first processor was I, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm not I'm not the know it all. I don't know everything about car audio, right? So I'm still learning a ton. And that should be everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's still us. that that's us. Yeah. yeah Hands up. Still still learn stuff all the time. <laughs> Nobody knows everything. So I've been probably messing around with processors for three years now. Right, and my first one was the audio control. Um, the hell number is that? Eight to ten. Yeah, eight to ten. Eight to ten. And I got one when it was a prototype. If if Chris Bennett is listening right now, his ear shot way up. <laughs> yeah, I love Chris Bennett. That's a, that dude's yeah. legit. Who, who doesn't? One of my favorite people in car audio. Yes, and I always tell him that. And just so he knows that I'm not bullshitting him, I'm saying it right now live in front of everyone. <laughs> One of the fucking coolest people out there. Anytime I see him at a knowledge fest, right? He is the most passionate, emotional dude ever, right? He's probably one of the most people, one of the people I enjoy talking to most anytime that we go to an event. So shout out to He's, you, Chris. You've done a lot for audio control for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. He dude is super knowledgeable and super friendly and will not hesitate to answer any question, no matter how stupid it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I had a ton of them. Right. So, the, <laughs> and so he was local to you, right? Cause he was in oh, yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I've been to his house. Um, he yeah. had like a housewarming party and he invited me out there and I was like, yeah, I'll go. So, um, <clears throat> so do you remember me messaging you about putting some Ultimas in a yeah. forerunner? Forerunner. Yep. Yep. It was a massive job. You're putting the, the eights in the door. And then I was like, ah, I don't know. Maybe you should build yeah. like a console. Yes. Yeah. That car, honestly, I had, I mean, fabrication wise, I had the skill to do it. Right. I didn't have the tooling to do it. 
I had one router lift that was hand built, you know, cause my company didn't really want to invest in me as much. So I did what I could to evolve, you know, and be better. And anyways, um, so I spent a bunch of time building that stuff and I get the processor in there and it like, I start tuning away and I probably had no business tuning in that car. It probably sounded awful, you know, by today's standards and it like attenuates doesn't come back and you know power cycle and everything and i get on the phone i talk into the tech support and then i i literally get on the phone with chris and he spends four and a half hours with me getting this thing up and running again i ended up having to put some like alpha bait or alpha firmware into it to fix whatever problem was wrong with it but um after that car i was like i need i need more of this i need i hated it right i hated the fact that it didn't work. And I hated the fact that it, I mean, it ended up working when I was done, but I hated the fact that I spent four and a half hours on something that I felt like should have been a lot faster. Cause they're, you know, supposed to make the job easier, right? Supposed mm-hmm. to give you better results. And it didn't work with me. So I spent, uh, I did the, another two, two or so more processors. I used a company called massive and used their processor processors. Um, and those actually, sounded pretty goddamn good um except the processor and one of them bricked so hard that i had to swap it out a couple times and ended up going with another 810 but my my probably my favorite processor right now to use is one of the jl either the um i like their um vxi amps a lot Mm -hmm. just because they're pretty easy to use um the one hiccup though that I had with that was like, you know, you go and you change the crossover point on it and it mutes the entire system, but it doesn't really jump out at you that that's what it's happened. So I don't know. I just battle those a lot for, for whatever reason. I'm, uh, which is another big reason why I'm out here at mobile toys is, uh, is I want to get better at that type of stuff and, and mm-hmm. SQ. And yeah, so you're with, I mean, the, you're with the right people. You know, I always yeah. say that it seems like, Obviously, there's more than this number, but I always feel like there's probably five to ten shops that I would trust to tune a car correctly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's sad when you say that, but at the end of the day, it's I think I, I feel in my heart that it kind of rings true. There's not a whole lot of people that you can sit in a car and you're just like, fuck, that sounds that sounds good. Dude, it's hard. You know. Like, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I'll sit, like, after I got my system put in my truck, which is terrible because uh, it's not finished, but I tuned it, right? And I did it with an RTA, and I sat in it, and I was like, this kind of sounds like ass. What is going on here? So I drive my truck over to Chris's, and I'm like, listen to this. What is wrong? Like, my RTA curve is where it should be. And he kind of just does his, you know, his looks that he does where he's like wide-eyed for a second and <laughs> shaking his head. Yeah, he's I like, oh, that. it sounds it sounds bad. So I went back to the tune that just like I did with my ear and I was like, okay, this sounds way better. I'll live with this for now until I can get some better gear because I have like the cheapest stuff in there because I have to work off my wife's budget, if you know what I mean. Like she's like, you want to spend $500 on an amplifier? I was like, no. No, I want to spend five thousand on an amplifier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just asking if we could spend five hundred. Yeah, I mean my my entire system in my truck is flax fronts, 
just like the standard six and tweet. I have that like the cheapest Alpine processor and their cheapest entry level amplifiers, the MRV amps or whatever they are. What? They're like three hundred dollar amps. What and truck? Uh, Ford F one fifty. Yeah. So it's it's uh not the most expensive gear, but it's you know I got to work off what my wife can allow me to spend. But again, there's nothing wrong with that gear. You know, it's all it's all stuff that works and can work well. And I guarantee you that if you spend enough time and you get the tune dialed, you're going to be happy with it. It's gonna it's gonna do great things. Like yeah, uh, Chris already wants me to to compete. Uh, obviously not with that gear. So he's gonna figure out a way to make that happen. Um, so that'll be pretty cool. Cool. Get out of your comfort zone if you feel like that's the weakest thing for what you're doing obviously go all in and really expose yourself because you're going to be forced to figure it out and learn oh yeah i mean that's i mean that's the main like my goal when i bought the system for my truck was i have to have a dsp i have to become better at this i can't just say ah you know because like you said guys say it's it's going to be the future and if it's it the future's here you know what i mean yeah it's gonna say it's not the future it's the now yeah Yeah, it's the the now. now yeah it's the now um, you know, and but that's, no, that's good. And, like, and hey, we were, were saying, looking for a goal for you. Yeah. Become better at SQ stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really why consumers are doing this, right? Because good as things can look, if things don't sound great, then what's the whole point? I mean, you're putting audio equipment in a car. It has to sound good. You know what I mean? Oh, it, you know, it can't just sound mediocre or, I mean, like you said, what's the point? You, you put a bunch of cool stuff in a car to just have it sound okay. I guess it's, that's not good enough. Yeah. That's not, that's not the fun part. And obviously, you know, you've worked your way up to, to be at a shop and having Chris as a, I mean, shop owner slash boss slash whatever he is. Um, He's a jack all of his all years, He does yeah, a lot. All of his years of experience in competing and, and sound quality. And then, you know, while the retail store is there and you, you have, the next store to the retail store to go listen to some amazing gear too, which is a pretty, plus you not only have you, you not only have Chris, but you also have Nick, you know, because he's spending plenty of time there too. So, you know, what's crazy is like pick his brain a lot. Yeah. And what's crazy is like, I've met Nick before he's come up and done a couple trainings up in Washington and uh, Chris kept talking about, yeah, when Nick comes down, he's going to help. We're, we're going to tune this vehicle. And I'm like, he kept saying Nick, but I'm like, who the fuck is Nick? And then he shows up <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I know who the fuck Nick is. You know, <laughs> That's funny. So I, I feel like, um, you know, trying to, to progress and be better at anything you just have to open your mind at every option available for knowledge, right? So the way that I tune a car, I have a lot of the things that Nick does. I have a lot of the things that Andy does. I have a lot, a few things that Ken does. And I have some things that I do. And that makes the way that I tune a car, right? Much like as you fabricate throughout the years, right? You're going to pick up little tricks that, you know, other installers that you've seen do, and you'll have your own tricks and that's going to create you as an installer, right? And like every time that we, I get to work with Gary or Tom, mobile solutions, you pick up one or two tricks that they do that you didn't do before. And you're like, oh fuck, that's a fucking great way to do that, right? Yep. And that's how you get better 
And that's what is going to shape you as a person. But you just have to be open to trying to pick up on those things. Because, dude, I've met plenty of installers that are really stuck in their own ways. And they just kind of refuse to learn from their atmosphere, right? Right. When they can accelerate so much quicker if they use their atmosphere to accelerate. Because, you know, most, even if you're not working with somebody that you would consider notable. Maybe it's a guy who just started. He might do some weird random thing that can that you're like shit, I never looked at it like that. You know, right. and now I, that's going to be a part yeah. of you. You just can't can't ever be, I guess, big enough to not look at even the smallest things or, you know, entry level positions and not try and learn something from that person. Yeah, there's somebody always know something that you don't and whether do you always yeah and whether you're you know just learning 12 volt or how to take your wife out on a great date or whatever it may be don't think that somebody uh just because they are who they are can't teach you something right so you know if i have a green guy that comes in i'll listen to what his ideas are and Sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not so much and you kind of steer in the right direction. But, and, you know, you like to, I'd like to listen to how people think. I've always wanted to like draw a concept of something and then let somebody build it and see how they would build it. I think that would be kind of cool to do. Yeah. We always joke about that, that, you know, if, if we did that at like a mobile solutions class, we could, we could put a rendering, you know, Tom could draw one of his renderings and put it up on the, on the board and each of us go build it and all of us would build it differently. Oh yeah. The mm-hmm. steps would be different. The processes would be different, but when we were done, they would all look like the rendering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Like I, I've, I've attended one of those classes and it was, I knew a lot of the stuff that they were teaching already, but like the smallest thing of like how to keep track of the end of your magnet so that you don't put one on backwards, right? That's something I wanted to know how how you guys did it, right? You just put a piece of tape on it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was, that's I was so. About to, I was about to spoil your party and say a piece of tape on the end. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking easy and stupid, but yet I wanted to know, and it's literally changed how easy it's been. And now Brian has like a fuck fucking magnet detector. Where it just tells you like the polarity of the magnet. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's fucking dope. I got to tell you, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that until you see something done in front of you, you can look at magazines, you can see Mm -hmm. step by step. I guess it's a little different for my generation who was, you know, the internet wasn't as big and there wasn't all the how-to videos and that kind of stuff. But we used to always joke that we would do, when I was at Alpine, we'd do trainings and there was you know, the Steve Brown method of using rage gold on everything. Right. And we would always tell people, yeah, no, you, you get it in this clay stage and then you start sculpting it. And like we go to mobile solutions classes and guys are like letting Bondo or, or body filler dry up all the way and start to sand it. And I'm like, no, no, really. And then you do it in front of them and their mind is blown because it's just not something you would think you could do in that manner. And until you see somebody do it in front of you, there's just, no way that's going to happen. So I had a friend who went, um, 
his name's Corey Stockland. I don't know if you guys know him. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So he went down and did like a quick build with Steve Brown and like a couple other guys, right? And he said that he did this technique for laying bondo where he would take his like when it was wet, he would take his fingers and rake over it a few times. And he was like, "Okay, what you did right there is just everything against laying body filler that I've ever known in my life." And I was like, okay, so what do you do with it after that? And he's like, I don't really know. I had to go back to work. I'm like, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, <laughs> you know? So I'm assuming he's creating these high valleys and then sanding it, you know, with 36 grade or whatever. To- I, I think he was, uh, he'll smooth it out with his, like, he's not afraid to use his hand to smooth it out instead of a body spreader. And he'll, he'll just attack it when it's soft. And yeah, I mean, yeah. we did a lot of body work in short periods of time when we were there. So it's never afraid to just go for it. And, and he and I are both fans of as long as the panel is sturdy that you want to, you want to try to do it in one shot. You don't want to have to go back and fill holes and fill holes and fill pinholes or fill low spots, load it up and knock it down and I then used to f- do it in one shot. Yeah. When, when internet was first coming around and I, you guys were doing, I can't, I think it was a sinister six and it would show like how many buckets of body filler you would go through. And there was literally a corner stacked to the fucking ceiling with empty buckets of body filler. I was yeah, like five, five gallon air pails of body filler. It might've been from the boat. Yeah. And then you got, uh, or you take your, your spreaders, right. And it would be, I think you guys would super glue the end of a, a bunch of paper together or something. Put all your body filler on that a huge amount and then just put a big ass X in it and then just lay massive amounts of body filler. And then when it was come time to do the next one, you'd rip the paper off. That's at least what I heard. Yeah. When you're, when you're surfacing the side of a side of a car or side of a boat. Yeah. It, uh, it adds up. How long did you, I'm sure you already answered this, but how long did you spend on that? Uh, the, the six, uh, 12 weeks, I think that is, Unbelievably 16, fast. No, 16, 16 weeks, I think. Yeah, I'll have to go still, back and look. I have was it. it just yeah, no, you and, was it just you and uh, Brownie on it, or did you have like a team so of other Sinister guys? Six, Sinister Six was Brownie and I for the main part, and then Glenn and Reno, who worked for Alpine Canada, would come down for a month apiece. And then I, I got to tell you, the last week and a half, two weeks of crush time is everybody we know in the shop doing something, whether it's sweeping the floor or putting stuff away or like hold this or glue that together or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it is, it is absolutely, it was insane for the last few days. That's for sure. How long did your, was it a a Tahoe? The one with the motorized amp racks? How long did that take you, Matt? Uh, You're talking about the Escalade. Escalade. Yes. Escalade. Sorry. Yeah. It was 37 build days. And it took exactly 37 build days. Is that what your quote was? Yeah, it was. I fucking how nailed it. You, how did you I don't, I don't know. It, a lot of it was quoting the unexpected, right? So all the time I'll add a, some, a, depending on the scale of the job, adding additional time for the unexpected. And then as you're getting to like day 30, you know you have seven days left. So if you're ahead of time, you know that maybe you can add a little bit more detail to wherever you're at at that moment because now you know that you have that time to make up. And that's kind of how the Escalade went. I, I I kind of allowed time for problems or problem solving with the motorized amp rack just because it was kind of like 
a lot of weight wiring. I didn't really know how I was going to finish the back, things like that. Right. So, um, in quoting the time I was ahead of schedule and then I spent the remainder amount of time being able to really solidify final details. Whereas if I was running closer to that deadline, then I wouldn't have done some of the final, like just dumb details that I did on the escalate. Yeah, so that, it, it, wor- it worked out good that I remember Steve saying that in when we had him on, you know, even in our process that there was there was that point in the timeline where we had to stop fabricating and start finishing. Exactly. That, right. That yeah. Same sort of thing for mm-hmm. us. You, yeah. you probably could have called the customer and gotten an extra week with the car if you needed it. Oh, for, for us, sure. it's as yeah. many times as we call to ask them to push CES back. They never seem to want to do it. <laughs> Any time I do a build, I don't think I've ever called a customer and said it's going to be more time. Um, I really try and look at the actual time that it takes to do something, right? So, you know, I've talked to a lot of other installers about this in the past, about how I quote. And, you know, when you quote, like installing a front set of three ways, you got to think about the amount of time that you're going to do sound treatment, right? Put that in an amount of days. Say, you know, the front doors, 0.5 days. And then installing the front three ways, say 0.8 days, whatever it may be, right? Depending on where the locations are. Speaker adapters, if you're making them out of acrylic, 125 to 150, 175, depending on how intricate they are. Um, That's its own price point, right? So you're literally getting paid for every sector of the job, which is hello, what, how things should be in our industry, right? You're, You're charging the amount of time but you're breaking it down per each individual small little thing that you're doing, right? Because you know you're doing sound treatment. You know you're doing, uh, say, black hole tile. You know that you're making speaker adapters. You know that you're installing the front speakers. Um, So all of these little things are different jobs. You're just micro breaking them down so the customer can see, okay, it's not taking a day and a half to install a front set of three ways. Because your sound treatment, you're doing all this other stuff, you're making adapters, you're installing the speakers, you're running the wires through the doors, whatever it is. And that is giving you an actual amount of time versus something that an installer would perceive as way too much time on the job, even though it's taking them that much time, right? That's the big disconnect in how installers or fabricators quote jobs versus how the job should be quoted and sold. It's going to seem way more expensive with my route, but I'm breaking it down and making it very easy to understand how much time each sector of the job is physically taking me. And I think there's a there's a huge difference between what you do, Matt, which I definitely consider you are building sound systems, right? You're building a start to finish environment and a product that creates amazing music, right? That is not going and having a set of speakers put in a car. That is not a, we're going to do the bare minimum to get this mounted and making music. You're going to do whatever it takes to get the maximum performance out of what you are putting into the car. And yeah, that's not like if, if a normal shop could slam a set of speakers in a car in two hours, that's not getting the optimum performance out of them, but you're not. There's so many shops that do that. So many. 
they'll use wood speaker rings, you know, and uh, that's the difference between, you know, a good job and a, a bad job, you know, in a lot of different ways is making it your product last and making it perform to its highest potential. And, you know, yeah, well, well, Gary and I were talking about yeah. this today about yeah. Gary had a client that came in and said, you know, his K2s were too bright. And I don't, yeah. I don't even know how many times I've heard the same shit from someone. I don't really like the Kevlar speakers because they're too bright. You know what I mean? Like yep. at the end of the day, we have full control over how bright or not the speakers are going to be right. Obviously there's going to be certain qualities and how the speakers produce based on how it's manufactured, the materials that are used that'll contribute to if it's a brighter type of speaker, if it's not EQ adjusted. But at the end of the day, we have the full control over the results of the equipment that go in the car. Right. We're setting that tonality. And I think that's, it's, it's frustrating for me when I hear a customer make those statements about, I don't like these speakers because they sounded like this when the speakers aren't the issue, the installation, the tuning, you know, the, the understanding what was going on in a car to where, yeah, if you have a tweeter that is set at the highest output level that is designed to mate with a mid-range driver when it is off axis and then you put it on axis or you fire it off a glass and you leave the tweeter at full setting and you don't set the DSP to a curve. Yes, of course it's going to sound terrible, but so would darn near any tweeter. Right. Right. Let's fix the issues first. Yeah. And clients will just assume, Oh, it's, it's bright because it's Kevlar or, you know, they just associate that speaker with being bright. And at the end of the day, like, it's our job to educate each individual client. Really, like what makes a speaker expensive is really the materials that they use. The, a a light, a more lightweight cone that is stiffer is going to be an expensive fucking material, right? right. Really, the other thing for instance, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the other the other trade off with that too is also just manufacturing quantity. Just like if you had to do one speaker adapter, or if you were going to do a hundred speaker adapters, or if you were going to do a thousand speaker adapters, the price for a thousand is going to be much less per part than the pro price to do one. And that same thing goes with speakers. And you can't expect yeah. to get the most esoteric high-end speaker that they sell a thousand sets a year worldwide for anywhere near the budget of the speaker that they sell a hundred thousand sets worldwide. It's just if not going to happen. If I'm building those speakers speaker uh, adapters by hand they're all going to be the same price <laughs> but there's there's efficiency i always say it like when we're building boxes that you see it you see it with the box building side of, at mti yep. like if you if you are making two subwoofer boxes that are identical the time is in setting up the fence on the table saw to taking oh, yeah. the measurement to figuring out what you're going to build the pushing the piece of wood through the table saw only takes a couple of seconds Right. You could do that 10 times and it would take you 100 seconds or you do it once. It takes you 10 seconds. But the time was all in the setup in the getting to the point to make that cut. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's the same economy of scale when you're manufacturing oh, yeah. product. If I had to build one of those truck boxes by hand from scratch, I would charge, I don't know, three grand or whatever for one. I know. Yeah, and, that's and, just... and, and that's why I won't even. I won't even think twice about 
not pitching a customer that box. Yeah, it's a I'm like, great why am I? Deal. Yeah, what? Yeah, like, why would I spend extra time, my own time, making the box when I can make money on the box by doing nothing and get the result that I would want for my specialty by just by yeah. by selling it? It just it makes zero sense. You know, we sell a ton of the boxes because it's it's so easy and you make money and you get the result that you want. Yeah. And I don't have to do anything, which is the why only... I've always like doing stealth boxes. But yeah. stealth boxes are going to be very plain for some people. And obviously doing that box is just... Stealth boxes are a challenge in themselves. Just trying to make it look hidden. And, oh, I don't want zero space taken up. And I want you to pile these 10 amplifiers in here also. Like, <laughs> You just give me a car with tons of room and unlimited budget, please, so I can just do what I want to do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah like it, like we're the only flip side about doing the boxes from MTI is he has like a shitload of different options right but it's still not essentially what I vision envision you know cuz I'm a pretty creative dude so I want to I want to you know add this brace in with you know red acrylic left and right side of it, but lit up in the middle or who, who knows? I'm sure he'd do it anyways. Cause we've had some pretty uh, gnarly ass boxes come through pretty, uh, lately. Have you guys seen them? Uh, oh yeah. Some of the crazy <laughs> ones, dude. Oh yeah. I would spend an eternity on that building it by hand. And the fact that they're able to whip them out is, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a fast thing by any means. Chris is there late just about every night, you know, wrapping up loose ends on you know this box or that box or this project and so it's when, when somebody buys an mti box they're definitely getting their money's worth though yeah i uh, actually made a post today in the uh f-150 sound quality group because we had opened up an mti box and i i jumped inside because it was, I thought it was a fun picture of me sitting inside <laughs> one of the boxes but yeah there's there is value in that. There's value in it for everybody. There's value in it for the customer. There's value in it for me that the the most valuable thing I have is my time. And if I can sell them a box for the same price or less than what it would take for me to build it and we can get the car done faster because mm -hmm. I can do the rest for of it sure. and have to build the box, there is no reason for me. I'll to tell you right now, I will that. never in my life build a truck box again. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, we basically got you covered on anything you need. Yeah. yeah. And then if not, then Gary's got the other side, the Toyotas. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Should we should we move to the next phase of this? So, yeah, let's segue in. So, uh, I don't think Justin knows this yet because there are episodes that haven't released up to this point. But How many uh, you got burning in the back there? What's that? How many? We you... have a few. We have a few. Oh. Yeah. Getting pretty we, bored listening to music at work. I'm going to need you guys to release them a little bit faster. Please. Right. If it didn't take us <laughs> so long to make one of these a finalized deal. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it'd be much easier if we just went live and just let it flow. But we do do a little bit of editing and that kind of stuff. But, it's probably um, for the best. Yeah. So yeah. we have. Some have definitely needed to be edited for yes. sure. <laughs> yes. And some we've put off editing. And yeah. Yeah. Some, some, some of the edits are projects. So um, we have an episode where we started talking about system designs and, and budget system designs. And we had a nice little conversation about it. And then we followed up by having some other people give us their inputs 
on what they would do in the situation. And we thought that we would uh, add you in and throw you into that mix and see as installer of the year, what, uh, what you would do in this situation if a customer came in and I, we haven't defined a car, but pick an average car. If you want to pick a car, pick whatever car you want to pick. I'm just going to go with my Ford. I know it right okay. now. And that's all okay. we build boxes so, for. So you have, you have $3,500 to spend. Okay. to get an audio upgrade and that's parts labor that's i'll say everything but tax how much right? time it, it, it's up to you you can yeah. allocate it anywhere you want what's your like i i would like to hear what your approach what your questions are you could pretend matt or i are the customer and we can answer any questions um but basically what we're looking for is how much of the budget and how much of the, t- like install wise, how much of the budget's going to be for install? How much okay. of that's going to be for speakers? How much is for amps? Are you trying to squeeze a DSP in at that price? Um, if you're picking your truck, uh, did you need an interface? The interface is kind of iffy because we haven't really addressed that in, in the previous systems. Um, but yeah, it's this is kind of a takeoff of there was... I think it was car stereo review back in the day used to send out a, a deal and each month they would quiz some shops and, and ask them, you know, what would you do in this car? And, and it's always been intriguing to me and Matt and I both spent a lot of time designing systems and trying to put together, you know, match sets of things that work well together and obviously meeting price points, whether that's $3,500 or $35,000 anywhere in between, we're always kind of analyzing product and, and combination. So I'd love to hear kind of your approach and, and, and your thoughts. And if you need help, we can also take a break and pause anywhere we need to. I have a computer window open if you need to know how much something retails for. Um, we'll just do it at retail. I, well, I do have a my, question. So do you know what customer, your shop rate is over there? Uh, I think we're 100 bucks an hour. Okay. That makes it nice and round and easy to, uh, to calculate. Is, now, is this $35, $100 set in stone? Cause yeah, damn it. All right. Yeah. Cause you know, when, when a customer comes in and they say, oh, I got $3,500 to play with. I'm like, yeah, it normally turns into five. Yeah. yeah. Pretend, like, pretend I'm you gonna... started, pretend they told you 25 and you're going to stretch them to 35. <laughs> okay. Um, so the very first thing when a customer comes in is I want to know essentially why they're there. Right, like, what are they missing? What are they, what are they longing for in their system? I'm going to um, give you the generic answer every customer always gives. Yeah, uh, it sounds, it sounds terrible. It doesn't get loud enough. It's not clear. I want it louder. I want it clearer. I want it cleaner. I listen to all types of music. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to all types of music. That was like the next one. Every so, customer ever. What I've kind of done to avoid the I listen to everything question is, for one, I'll ask them what they listen to primarily because there's usually something that somebody listens to primarily like i listen to everything but i guarantee you i listen it's to some artist yeah yeah I like listen name, to... name the artist you listen to exactly um but i listen to hip-hop like 90 percent of the time right so if you talk, if, if i go into a sh- if a customer comes in give me an artist and they say oh kevin gates perfect i know you listen to rap <laughs> so you're obviously missing bass that's i mean that's where it starts right there because you're unless you know because then the ford unless you have the sony system you don't have it so you're missing a 30-year sound right there hypothetically fair enough um so what i uh after i find out what they listen to and what they're missing 
try to educate them on you know if they're looking for more better sound quality on how how we should a- approach this you know with a dsp um a good set of speakers why we shouldn't do rear speakers um amplify you know amplify those and <laughs> the people listening can't see but when he said not do rear speakers gear and i just both gave him a thumbs up <laughs> it's 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 difficult to get people to not do them. They've had them in every car that they want. They think they need they, them. Yeah. I mean, it adds to overall volume in the car for the most part, but f- what we can do up front in the front speakers, and I'd rather put the rear speakers up front with the front speakers already. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a new mod. Do a audio upgrade. Instead of actually swapping out the front speakers, we're just going to take your rear speakers out and put them in the front doors. So we're going to have more sound up front. I like exactly. that. And Gary, when you do uh, Justin's little promo, that's going to be one of the quotes. <laughs> I like that. Um, you know, like one of the things is like when I try to explain it or justify it to him is like when you go to a concert, where are your speakers at? Where up front? Do you ever turn around and have the speakers at your back? No. So you're trying to simulate a concert, right? You you have the stage that's up on top of your dash, and you've got your you know the singer and the guitarist and the drummer, and and you're trying to paint this picture with sound of this concert that's up on top of your dash, right? So you're trying to educate this customer on what they're supposed to hear, not what they think they should hear, what they're supposed to hear. And you know sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't i mean you guys get a lot of i, I would say matt for sure gets a lot of audiophile guys so they already know they're for the most part already educated but yeah i don't know a, a lot of them also i would say i kind of talk they're always surprised that i say don't spend money in the rear let's well i'll find another place to spend the money but if the car gets maxed out right because like the escalate he had utopia uh wxps in the rear right I told him it's unnecessary, but he exhausted all other options where we couldn't really upgrade anywhere else from the type of system we were doing to where we're like, all right, let's throw some fucking XPs in the back. Right. <laughs> I think and that the only argument out of them. <laughs> I was going to say the only argument that I, I hear that I can understand is for the people that really like a surround sound type of feel, right? Like there's some people that want to get kind of lost in this, you know, Pink Floyd, you know, all they listen to is Pink Floyd and they just want to feel like they're encapsulated in the music and they're not so focused on that soundstage. They're not, uh, you know, two channel studio monitor type of listening experience type of people that they want that. And I get that. I feel like that's something you do have to kind of have the the talk with. But for the majority of my customers, I take the same approach. And and I would rather put, like we're having this conversation here, I would rather put as much of that budget mm-hmm. into the front speakers and getting as good a quality front speakers as I can in there. And you know what? If you hate it and you're looking for an upgrade down the road, we can always add the rears back in. Right? For real. Yeah, and, and, and the way that I've always addressed the rears, I don't know if I've ever even mentioned it on the podcast it's hard to even yeah remember what i've said on the podcast because you know i talk to customers on on a daily basis as well um but the way that i'll tune the rears is i basically delay the rear speakers about eight to nine milliseconds and then i high pass them at about 300 350 hertz right because 
those lower frequencies from about 350 to 100, we can really isolate as a human and we can really hear the direction of that speaker. And when they're delayed eight to nine milliseconds, we get more of that, more of that, uh, reflection type sound, right? It makes it, it makes the room sound inherently bigger, right? So the car more times than not feels like it doubles in size. It pushes the front more forward, but you can't sit there and really key on and say, Hey, there's back, there's speakers playing in the rear. But if you were to attenuate all the other speakers in the car, you'd be like, fuck, the rears are actually playing pretty loud. But when you're hearing it with the rest of the music, you you can't key into it. Yeah, and, it's kind of like blending a subwoofer. If they're blended, if you if you tune it to blend right. them with the front, then you don't notice they're there. And right. then it becomes right. almost pointless at that point, too. Right. So that's how we always address the rears, which is why really upgrading the rears is is really irrelevant unless it's a really old car. I really never even worry about a speaker upgrade. Obviously, there's some people that mentally just want to know that there's an upgraded speaker in the back to which I say, hey, we can start out with something somewhat entry level. We really don't need to go up from there. But obviously, you know, some people are like, well, I just want to do the best in the back anyway. Yeah, when I was uh, really more involved with uh, selling gear and stuff, you know, I would tell customers, you know, instead of spending $500 on the, you know, some front speakers and 500 on the rear, just put a hundred dollars speakers in the rear and put all that money up front by $900 exactly. speakers yeah. up front. Yep. And it yep. will, you know, you can get yourself into a much better speaker at 900 bucks or so. It's, I mean, you can get it, what, flax three ways, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I, I was hit or miss when I was explaining. I don't know if I, I don't think I ever got good enough at it, but like a, like I said, uh, when I was, I attended a lot of the Ken Ward, um, Ken Ward classes and he was talking about like trying to eliminate, I was like, okay, that's what I'm doing from now on trying to talk people out of it. You know, and I used to be in the same boat that Gary was talking about. It was like, you know, you have that overall like ambient sound coming from every direction mm-hmm. and it was just loud and like party mode all the time and really shifted gears a lot, you know, trying to further better myself. But I will end on rescue. this with the rear speakers. Yeah. I still feel that having rear speakers at that delay, eight to nine milliseconds, high pass at that certain frequency with amplifier power, gives you more than if you didn't have them at all, right? Because when you hear those, I've always felt it makes the car sound bigger. It also pushes that front image further away from you. Yeah. Uh, cause it's creating more space in the car. So, you know, I know that there's people out there that are like only like eliminate all rear speakers or whatever it is. I've always felt that that has been the best that I've experienced a car. I can, I can see that I'll, I'll concede to that, but the, the hard part in a budget system is right. This is, yeah, that. that's not yeah. in a budget right. system in yeah. my mind. Because the cost of two more amplifier channels, two Correct. and that's if you don't go. That's where it gets tricky, rear. right? Yeah, that's where the this whole budget system gets tricky because it's like, where are you allocating the amplified channels? Are you doing the the rears off of deck power? Because if you are, then now we're not we don't we're not EQing or we're not time aligning those rear speakers. So now you're kind of running into an issue there. Are All you right, going to should... run the fronts passive and then have the the rears also on the DSP? 
Or are you going to run the fronts active and then have the fronts on deck? There's so many different combinations. I, I feel like we need to shut up where and let this is going to be fun. I, I feel, feel like we need to shut up and let yeah. Justin tell us. I feel like if you're doing a DSP for sure, it's it, the whole system's got to be active, right? Like you lose a lot of controllability if it's passive, in my opinion. Um, like us, but aside from the the rears, because like you said, you know, you um, limit them, right? But if you're doing the fronts uh, passive and then you run the processor on there, you run into the uh, limitations of what the, cro the, f the crossovers are doing there and you can't, you know, bump a tweeter down or make a mid go up past a certain point. So um, <clears throat> I feel like if you do a DSP, you should run everything active. So if I was to do the budget, $3,500, see if I can pull numbers and money out of my ass here um I, I, say, I have a spreadsheet open that i can load stuff into if it helps it was a jail was i have the vxi six channel right i got a six channel i think it's 12.99 doing that 11.99 or 12.99 one of the two okay so if they don't need rears after i've tried to alex so that would be i would want to do this is hard guys because um, keep in mind, if you're doing the VXI, you still need another amp for the subwoofer. Uh, that depends on how much power you need, but yes. Um, I generally like to do at least minimum 500 um, watts. I hope you guys like the uh, whiskey I got you. It's the most Texas whiskey I could find. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but after... I pulled the back because it comes in like a little Texas flag bag, right? And I was like, yeah, this is it. We uh, slid the bag off to kind of really check it out. And it says made in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so, Canadian Texas whiskey. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know how good it's going to be. You guys picked a, a liquor that I actually know nothing about. Um, it's okay. We're, we're not that picky. Okay, perfect. I mean, you guys did say the cheapest fucking uh, <laughs> liquor I could find at a grocery store, and that was basically... I mean, it wasn't it. There was a lot cheaper, but I decided to not go that low. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so, right, I, don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys looked, but a 800.8 is $13.99. A 600.6 mm -hmm. is $11.99. Yep. Okay, so we got uh, eleven ninety nine. All right, so getting back into the system design, we have a six channel VXI eleven ninety nine. I'm looking for let's see here some flax speakers. I don't know what they go for nowadays. Two way six forty nine. There's a few versions though, right? There's a slim version. There's a yeah. Let's just say six forty nine. I'm pretty confident that's the. There's a PS one sixty five FX for three fifty seven, yeah. at least on Crutchfield. Not Whoa. a two way. No, that's uh, the old. That's closed out of the well, cut. Yeah, yeah cut. you're wrong. Cut. That's the that's the closeout of the last year's model. Okay. Look for the ones that say Evo, Flax Evo. Flax Evo, right? It's going to be somewhere right. around six forty nine. You're probably one hundred percent right. I don't I don't deal prices that much. Okay, so five forty nine, four ninety nine. All right, we'll go with that. Um, okay, 549. I hope that at this point I'm not boring you guys to death trying to figure this shit no, out. No, no, no. All good. I um, I love this stuff. I can't. 
Can't bore me with it. How much do you guys like your amps to match? Um, I will tell you this. I know that if, you can't all the time, but I yeah, if there's an easy way to do it, I'd love to have a match. Um, but I am not stuck to it. In fact, we have a combination that we do in a lot of trucks that uses two different brands and we do it over and over and love doing it. So, yeah, it's just a, it's an aesthetics thing for me. If I flip the seat down or something like that and they're not both the same, it irritates me. Yeah. Of course. If it's, if it's aesthetics, if it's going into like a trunk build, they got to match. Yep. Yeah. Or I got to think it, or if they don't, you got to hide the one that doesn't match. Yep. I got to um, think in this $3,500 scenario, we're not doing a super highlighted install. Nope. No, it's going to be, um, one amp under one seat, one amp under the other seat. Yep. And then make, uh, make sure it lasts. And that's about all you need. Yep. Um, no custom a pillars nothing nope. like that. <sighs> Okay, so we got the amp. I'll probably go with a we got the processor covered. We need an amp for a woofer and a woofer in itself. And the goddamn for those, box. For those listening at home, we're at seventeen hundred and forty eight dollars. Seventeen hundred already? Jesus. Eleven ninety nine on an amp and five forty nine. That's without labor. How much? How much labor do you charge to put those front speakers in? <sighs> Me personally, if I was, I mean, if I was quoting it for, <laughs> I don't know, back in when I would quote a shitload of cars. Um, you got to build speaker adapters or sell them speaker adapters. You guys have like an off the shelf MTI part, right? Should we put yeah. that in? Yeah, I don't know what the prices are those though. If I was I'll building them, if I was building them, I would probably at the, uh, I had the laser and shit, and can quickly cut it out and get a jig going. Um, I don't know. I'll probably charge an hour just to build those. Maybe more. Probably an hour and a half. Bucks, hundred twenty-five. With because I mean, material. with the yeah, I mean yeah, I mean because with the laser, you can just cut out some tweeter rings real quick and. The other stuff is just <clears throat> router that. Okay, so how much does a um? I mean, how much does the MTI uh, underseat enclosure just a single woofer cost? <laughs> Hold on, I get there. I would defer to asking somebody from MTI. Yeah, I don't know. Oh shit, Justin, <laughs> right? what's the cost? Yeah, I don't know. Let's find out. I don't know what they charge. I I know their entry level box is like three hundred bucks. Oh, no, that's the wrong thing. Maybe. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Let's get Jim Skaggs on the phone. That guy would know. <laughs> Jim Skaggs is a character, man. I like that guy. He really, really is. Stage so the easiest one. way that I've I've always quickly deciphered labor dollars yeah. is when you, when you take an hourly rate of about $100 an hour, you mm -hmm. factor in nine hours out of a day, your minimum daily rate is going to be nine hundred dollars a day. Um, nine fifty, you can do easy math with a thousand dollars a day. So you can imagine that a thirty-seven day job would be about thirty-seven thousand dollars in labor. With something like a thirty-five hundred dollar install, it's probably going to take you a full day to install. Yeah. So quickly you can nine hundred bucks. Think that 
you have at least nine hundred dollars of labor dollars, possibly up to twelve fifty of labor dollars if it's a full day to like a day in a quarter. Right. I would I would agree with you on that. Um, full day's worth of work is about nine hundred bucks, mm-hmm. give or take a few, um, depending on the shop and their rate and all that other stuff. Um, uh, so, <clears throat> sub box was three eighty, by the way. Ah, so, damn. So speaker adapters at, at a buck and a quarter. Uh, front speakers at five forty nine. VXI six channel eleven ninety nine. Sub box is three eighty. We're at twenty one twenty eight, and we haven't actually started to install anything, and we don't have any wire, and we don't have a subwoofer, and we haven't done any sound treatment. See twenty one. Hey, this is fun. You're at twenty one what ninety eight? Twenty one twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay. Well, let's let's fill it out with what your what your gut tells you, and if we're off, we'll figure out how we adjust it. We'll figure out how we get there. I would probably do some sort of like uh, if we're just trying to get some sound in there and get it as good as possible. Nothing really aesthetic. I would um, the JL. It's like an eight JL uh, slim box. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's ported. Yep. Yep. Another price on that. I want to say it's right. Like four fifty, something like that. Let me let me look it up real quick. There's also that Focal box. That one too. There's, I th- I feel yeah. like that's more expensive though, and that's the yeah, route I'm trying to stay away from. Oh, why does why does JL have so many enclosures? Because that's what they're good at. Pro wedge, power wedge. The cheapest one. What do you got? Um, yeah, you need like a W zero in a vented box. I mean, we're getting there. High output. Price low to high. I like the dub. I honestly really like the W ones. I think they're a great bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a 8W3V3 micro sub ported. How much? There is a 309. Taking then it. there is a single 10TW1. Oh, that looks bigger. Hold on. TW3419 in a sealed box that looks like it would probably fit. You think the eight's the way to go? I think the eight's the way to go. And then if we do enough we do enough power to it, we can always add a second one later. Ooh, I like where your head is at. So we're gonna take sub box and make it sub box slash amp. I feel like this is a future Knowledge Fest project where we actually build these little I, cars. I think maybe we maybe <laughs> we do a class with it. Who knows? We'll we'll let everybody in the class kind of do it. Have you guys not to go off topic too much? Have you ever charged less because you wanted to just do it? Hundred percent. Okay. Multiple times. Not the only. I feel one. like I feel like when you're trying to create a portfolio, yes. Once you have a backlog of work, you can't. Yeah. Do you remember when I was showing you my carbon fiber pictures a long time ago? I sent you a... a, In reference to what? What what were the pieces? I was making a custom enclosure from a friend's car, and I wanted to spice it up, so I did some carbon fiber, and it, like, bowed... Because I did the uh, resin instead of the epoxy, it, like bowed my half inch piece up and I had to plane oh, the bottom of it to flatten it out again. It was terrible. Mm. Um, but I think I sent you pictures of it and I was like, check this out. And you were like, yeah, that's great. But um, 
I charged my friend because he's a friend of mine, but I came out of my own pocket because I wanted to fuck around with carbon fiber. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of where that was going is. Yeah. So like when I, when I kind of learn on the fly, I do my research, but like when I did the, when I did the Porsche GT3 enclosures where mm-hmm. I vacuum bagged and resin infused the carbon. That shit's so cool I, by the way. Yeah. Like, but I, I had never done it before that. Oh really? I right. watched, I watched, so I put myself in the a, position where yeah. I was like, Hey, this is how I'm going to do it. So I kind of forced myself how to do it. Obviously I, we came out of pocket with the equipment, but as far as the time to do it like that, I charged as if I was resin infusing, you know, his stuff. Yep. So I charged him for the time, even though I technically had never done it before, hoping that I wouldn't f- have an issue, which I didn't have an issue. It fucking worked out great. But I've watched a ton of videos on people making hoods out of that, like how to make a mold. And it's just, that's a lot of damn work. I didn't ever really know where to get on work. Stuff. Yeah. It's a ton of work. It would have been so much easier if I just skinned it like normal <laughs> and just poured epoxy on it. But I was actually, know. when I was looking up how to do that carbon fiber stuff, I was looking up how to do carbon fiber. Right. And I actually didn't even realize it was you in your video until I was like, Hey, that's Matt Schaefer. I was like, yeah, that's oh, that's fucking cool. You got like a fucking million views or some shit on that, but they they won't pay you for it because uh, you got like background music or something on it now. Yeah, so I had to like mute out the music to re-get monetized on the video. Gotcha. But, yeah, it's, it's great. Dude, the people that get high dollar or high views on YouTube make so much money because just that video itself makes me like something stupid like $80 a month. Just that video. So alone. what you're telling me is when my kids bother me to make YouTube videos, I should just let them. Yeah. All right. Yeah, 100%. Do that. All right. Um, so I haven't really made any progress. So I, I have an important question. You, you're adding another amp for the sub, right? You're adding, you're looking for another amp for the sub right now? I'm thinking so. Because uh, right now I might, I might bump down the amp to like their four channel and then just run the fronts active, not do a rears. And then maybe do like the JX amplifier because it's cheap as shit and we'll power that sub no problem. Um, and then what you got wiring and stuff for that since you're running two different amplifiers. I mean, what you're probably 300 bucks in wire with RCAs, depending oh. on the series RCAs. Well, keep in mind, you only need one RCA with the VXI. Right. You don't need well, a bunch. Well, how are we getting input? What, what are, are we just assuming there's either an aftermarket radio or you have. Uh, non-amplified F-150 or... I'm going to assume whatever makes this work. So <laughs> <laughs> if they've if they've got a Kenwood head unit already, I'm I'm game for that. Okay. If they've got... All right. Well, if we, I, can, it, we can play can make-believe. Run, it's fine. I can run high level into it. I'm good with okay. that. Okay. Um, I think we're going to just price out 300 bucks for the wiring. Okay. Because uh, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know how negotiable you guys are, but... When I was working for Cartways, we would negotiate to make shit happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, and again, so if you're telling me you want to put that wire kit at two fifty, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blink an eye. Perfect. So two fifty now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. That's so over here, like I don't want a discount. I'm like, yeah, I don't. I mean, at our at the level that we install at, I mean, it's. Hard. I mean, you might discount product, but I mean, uh, labor is labor, man. It, you can't you can't turn back time and get your your time back. 
Where am I at, Gary? Uh, so right now we have speaker adapters, front speakers. Uh, I had the VXI six channel in there right now. The sub box and a wire kit is at twenty three oh seven. That's not actual labor anywhere, and that's still with that VXI six channel, which I can change if you want me to. Put, uh, put the labor at a thousand bucks. Let's see. That'll probably push me over. Okay. Really so got me close. Let me. Let's just do this real quick. Uh, are you gonna? Do you think you're gonna try to do any sound treatment in the doors while you're there? Uh, probably with uh, scraps that I have in my yeah. bench for stuff that hasn't been used for over the years. Yeah. So we're we're gonna do two two amp installs, uh, front speaker install, sound treatment. So, uh, let me. Are you mounting the box down, or is it just getting thrown under the seat? Uh, it's going under the seat. But are you, I mean, are you going to throw it in there? Or are you going to bolt it in there? Uh, if I have time. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, put some so velcro on the belt on the bottom of it, and it'll hold for a while. Keep it from real sudden, quick. Right? Real quick to to hit your labor budget. I basically put three hundred dollars for the front speakers, three hundred dollars for one amp, three hundred dollars for the second amp, and a hundred dollars for the sound treatment because you're already going to be in the doors under the door labor. Um, so that's a thousand. We're at thirty three hundred and seven dollars. So we have two hundred dollars left to get a sub. Oh, that was with the VXI still. So. Okay, so let's let's uh, put the VXI at the the four channel VXI. Four hundred point four. Sounds right. You know there is a five channel for twelve ninety nine. How many watts are on that sub channel? Uh, it is. Uh, 100 by 4 at 2 ohms plus 600 by 1 at 2 ohms. So it's more than enough on the sub-channel if you're okay with just 4 channels. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Hold on. Here's here's a question because yeah. I don't know the answer. The 5-channel VXI, Gary, uh -huh. does that still have a preamp output 2-channel? Because I feel like you could always upgrade in the future to a bigger 2-channel and then you can take the mid-bass and then you can add more power and then you can run the tweeter and the rear off of that the four channels of that vxi um, i don't and then the fifth channel can go to sub but i being at a five channel i don't know if they would still have a a preamp output two channel. i don't see it but i don't know these amps nearly as well as you guys do i'm not a jail because that would add a nice little wrinkle for a future upgrade well, I was going to say the other scenario, and I hate to I hate to add influence here because it was yeah. not my goal to influence any of these choices. Well, but, I mean, it's a little it's a little different because we're sitting in here where I don't have product in front of me, and I can go, oh, that one, you know, like that's yeah. I'm a visual guy. Like I can't just pull that stuff off the top of my head for the most part. So like being in a room that I can just go in the stock room or something, be like, okay, I'm going to take this, 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 and this, and then we'll type up some numbers and. It'll give us our magic number. Okay. I'm, I'm double checking because I think I have the I think I have the magic bullet here. Just uh, I need to get back to that sub enclosure one more time. Really wish Let's they'd do something different with their plugs on those amps. Yeah, it's yeah I don't like it either. They're really damn good looking amps, but that plug makes it terrible. I'm looking also, Gary. Okay, so the oh that aw. AW3V3 is ported at four ohms. So what you could just well, technically do the you should channel. be able to run. If we did, you could just, but if we did the five channel, channel, right? 
if we do the five channel though, hear me out. If we do the five channel, that's yeah. still enough power for that one woofer. And then if you add the second woofer later on down the road, then it'll be at two ohms. And then that amp will right. uh, put out the 600 watts, which will be perfect for two of those eights. And it'll right. hammer. I do like this because it's making me learn more about the JL product, which I do not have. I, I love JL stuff. I'm just not a dealer. I don't do it all the time, but um, I do like their product a lot. Um, so if you look at that, the VXI 606 is 1199. Mm -hmm. The 1005 channel is 1299. So it's a hundred bucks more. The one big benefit that we're getting from doing a single amp system is that power wire is less expensive. And I believe your labor is going to be way less expensive to put one amp in. Right. Yep. So and less time to do it because yeah. you're not going yep. under two seats or going under one, whatever yep. it may be so the, back wall. The other option is that for thirteen ninety nine, which might slide into the budget, you could get okay. the eight channel, and then you could either bridge on the mid bases. You could put the rears back in. You could. Not that I want it. Not that I'm here to influence. And just to be clear, that five channel does have a preamp output. It does, and it can be an equalizer. Yep. Yep. All right. So you could always use that. Run the fronts passive. Okay. Yep. And have the rears EQ'd with the ability in the future mm -hmm. to just add a secondary two-channel amp. Right, and you could always add power something the small or something massive. Yeah, power yeah. the mid-bass, power the front tweeters, power the rears, EQ all of them, and then obviously have that fit channel for the sub. So all right, we need your, we need your decision like now. Yeah. We need your decision now, sir. I'm going uh, for the budget. Because I, I believe that somebody who is willing to spend $3,500 isn't necessarily a super audiophile, right? Like they probably don't have a, a title membership. Right. Well. Maybe. Maybe maybe they, they, they yearn to <laughs> have a better audio system, but they don't have the budget. I mean, I, I see that all the time. Okay. Right. You can finance, right? <laughs> um so so we're putting the five channel in is what you're saying if we're going with if we're going with good like decent sound quality right out of the bat right off the gate i'm probably going to stick with the five channel um just based on the fact that it'll sound good when it leaves right like there isn't you don't really have to upgrade anything uh you don't have to buy another couple amplifiers really pushing the budget even further, honestly, to get it to sound even better, you know? Um, and so with the, fi if but with the five if channel also, like you were saying, Matt, with the five channel, that with that five channel being there, it does leave you that room to just have to rewire it too. So um, yeah, we're going to go five channel. We're going to go with one of those jail subwoofer enclosures. Um, so if you're doing a single amp, does that move the wire kit down to like 200 bucks, 150 bucks, 175? Well, yeah, because you don't need any RCAs at that point. Zero RCAs. You're just making your own RCAs for input. the input. Yeah. Um, and then you just need power wire for yeah, each power wire. What's that, 100 bucks maybe for the power wire? So yeah. we'll just say 150 with the fuse holder. and Sounds whatever. good to me. That sounds, sound about right. And then how much money would you allow for sound treatment, like materials? What does a roll of sound skin cost? 100 bucks, just yeah, roughly. 90, 90, 90 100 bucks. And you can no, get 119. 
119, and you can get the fronts done with that. Okay. For the most part. Um, so let's do, I don't know, two, th let's do 300 bucks for sound treatment. Uh, wow. and that'll, if I can get away with it, you know, two, two rolls of it and basically do the inner skin and outer skin of the doors. And then any other, I'll basically have a, a roll on the back burner or any extra for problem areas. There usually is some. Uh, and then any money that I have left over will probably go into like either upgrading the speakers further or doing more sound treatment. You said money left over. Well, okay. <laughs> so like you were, like, I don't know what my, I'm at now, but the last time I checked, I was at like, what, 3,200? So that's an extra... Okay, um, three hundred so bucks. Here's here's where we're at. I moved the labor to nine hundred, which was okay. three hundred for the front speakers, five hundred for the amp install. But I I see that as a little more than just a basic amp install. That's you're mounting the amp, you're running wires, you're doing the work at the battery for a fuse holder, that kind of stuff. Like is all that's an expensive amp install, but it's it's a done right amp install. You know what I f didn't fucking think about is tuning. Oh, oh. Yeah. for tuning um, well here he, here's again here's how i think the easiest way to break it down because i think as installers we get caught in the minutiae of each individual thing mm -hmm. if, if if you think about the job as a total right you're yep. installing two-way set of speakers one vxi amp tuning a sub that you don't have to do anything for you're basically just plugging it in whatever running the wire yeah and obviously when you're in the door you're just sound treating it Right? right, that's really the entirety of the job. Right. Can you do all that in one day? Yes or no? If yes. it's yes, but and I it's going to push late. the full limit of the day, then you're at that you know nine hundred dollar nine fifty yeah. area. If you might be a little bit late, like it's just like one day in a couple hours, then maybe bump the labor to you know eleven hundred eleven hundred, right? Just to kind of cover you. That's the easiest way to kind of think about our labor rate as an installer versus thinking, oh, I didn't charge for tuning. Like you just got to think about how much you can do in one day on right. the average car. On the average car, like if I was if I was doing this car, I could get this car done in one day. Right. Yeah. And okay. I think that's so, how so most people that, efficiently would be. To do that, I'm moving the sound treatment to two rolls. Okay. Right. Because you're it's whatever. You don't have time to put three rolls on. Right. Nope. Like you're 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 doing a value sound treatment job at that point, right? right. Just from a time standpoint and a material standpoint. So I have 125 for speaker adapters, 549 for a set of Flax Evos, a 1299 VXI 5 channel, uh, $240 for two rolls of uh, sound treatment, uh, the JL sub box at 309, a wire kit at 150, and $950 in labor for a grand total of. Thirty-four hundred and ninety-seven dollars. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and here's what I gotta say: it's a, that's a nice sounding system. You can get right. that to sound really good. And I love the fact that we have plenty of power for the JL8, and you can add the identical one, or you can go back later and you can upgrade. You could you could definitely power more woofer than two of those, or something bigger, or upgrade to a big MTI enclosure or whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, I think yep. it's. Gives you and I like the, the golden part about that amp is that it does have that preamp output. So yeah. like you could run at the whole 
the front two way active. You can really give some power to the front mid base. Um, you still yeah, have we, decent power for the sub. The fact that they did that is pure genius. I mean, uh, their whole way that they do the Marine version of that amp is based on that preamp output, you know, going to multiple amps and, uh, the cigarette boat I did, I did, uh, five amplifiers and they all use the preamp out of the main eight channel that was in there yep, to with the hub. We yep. did a boat that way this year too. It yeah. Was, it and was it awesome. looped through every single amp to give it all that EQ ability. And if you don't know that ahead of time, you're, you're going to hate yourself, but I mean, I guess you can turn on the high pass or the low pass frequency on the, on the radio if you really want to. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, I think you did good. I think that's a good solid system. And those Matt, you're talking about putting more power later to the mid bases. We use those flax mid bases a lot and we beat them up. Like we give mm-hmm. them 200 plus Watts and um, they, they do really well with them. One thing I've learned from uh, Chris is the bigger speakers you can fit up front, usually the better. Like he is a big fan of eights on the doors. So mm-hmm. he will do whatever he can to get eights up front. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Eights with a lot of power. Like yeah. I always have either the eights on their own Moscone Pro 110, or I'll do a 410 with each eight bridged on the set of channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I use end up using the Pico 2 a lot for the rear speakers because I end up using so much real estate with the amps between all the speakers in the car active. And then the Pico is just this little tiny thing that I can hide for the rears. So I, I have a question for both of you since you both uh, are involved with doing eights in the front of the car. I don't do a ton of them. I think I've done in the last couple of years, I've done two, one of which just left the shop, right? Mm-hmm. And the one that just left the shop was an existing install that had Utopia eights in the door. And when we got the truck done, it came in for a a retune and just some touch up swap one amp to something better and you know just kind of a, a fix it up it kind of been around to a few shops and customer wasn't quite happy with it so i got it all all the stuff we we were set up to do and i went to tune the car and the doors were buzzing like crazy right and uh, it's a gmc truck they're they're not the most solid door panels. We just had Nick on talking about his truck and putting mm-hmm. clay in the doors and lead shot and all this stuff to quiet them down. We did a lot of work in the doors to quiet them down. And part of what we had to do was rebuild the door speaker adapters. And those are the ones I think, Matt, I told you, we did quarter inch plate steel. Jesus. bolted nut and bolt all the way around the outside to strengthen the door and to push the speaker back into the door so that it wouldn't make any contact with the door panel itself. And then we built an adapter that funneled the energy into the car. And again, by the time we were done, we had days into the doors, days, right? And it took a lot of work to get when we talk about getting every inch of everything out of those doors, Mm -hmm. Matt, that was an AS... 100.4 bridged onto a three ohm driver that's Mm -hmm. four 450 on tap Mm -hmm. per door Mm -hmm. jesus and yeah i mean it it, it's a serious system like that's a fucking pissed off mid-base drivers (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, like like i told you about the escalade we had the two eight inch utopia m8s yeah all on their own moscone pro 110 you know each one had its own moscone pro 110 like that door when I, when I say it was like a tank door, it was like a fucking tank door. Yeah. Like when you shut the door, the fucking Escalade would like rock <laughs> back and forth. Like there was that much weight. 
So my question is for those that the, it sounds like both you guys do eights on a regular basis in not in scenarios where you're building tank doors, right? Mm-hmm. Like is the eight worth it? Like, I, I don't feel like you're maximizing what you can get out of the eight unless you do all of that work. You have, unless you're like, putting so, so here's, out. here's what I always like to say is that I would much rather have a system that is more efficient rather than inefficient. And by that, I mean, I would rather have um, speakers not playing at their max to perform, right? right. I would rather have a speaker play easier to get right. the same output. It, it's going to sound less, uh, it's going to sound effortless in comparison it, if you're exactly. not moving the speaker as far so, as... So yeah, in a worst case scenario, if you're not getting the maximum amount of it, you're, you're, you're using the system in a more efficient aspect because you're not asking that eight to move as much as the six to get the same output. Yeah. I, I feel like in some of those scenarios, the the question I always have though, is like, if you took that and you did a good six instead of the eight or a similar six, whether you're doing illusion or utopia mm-hmm. eights versus doing the, the same speaker in a six, the six, I just feel like you, you can get the same output that the, the door is going to resonate at the same point. Right, whether you're working the six a little harder or the eight, I don't, I don't know. Just kind of interesting. I mean, to me to, to think about it both ways. And I think also another thing um, that I always think about is, and this is for a whole another episode, maybe on tuning, but the standing wave of the vehicle coming into consideration, where you're trying to catch a quarter wave, half wave of whatever that frequency is to take out cancellation. So you're trying to find the perfect crossover point for that car. And sometimes it's 63 Hertz where that's more advantageous for an eight inch woofer rather than a six inch woofer. So excursion really. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the the standing wave of the vehicle and where your crossover point is for your sub with mid base, the eight versus six is going to come into consideration there because some cars are just going to work better at that crossover point. So when we do eights, Gary, at least when I do them, we sound treat the shit out of the doors every single time. So if you're not doing that, I would probably go with the six like you guys probably do. Because, um, I mean, the FS of the speaker, in my opinion, is the reason why I would go down to the eights a little bit more is trying to push that, you know, mid-bass further forward into the vehicle or whatever you want to call it. You know, if you can get them to play a little bit lower, um, that's what at least Chris kind of showed me is like, I'm going to play them low and then we're going to have a, you know, 48 octave slope or whatever on that. And just, they hit a wall and they stop playing. And then the base, you know, the subwoofer takes over. Um, so that's from what I've seen from how he tunes and builds systems is um, get as much of the frequency bands up front as you can, because, you know, if you can do that, then you're not having to fight like time alignment and all that shit as much. Yeah, it's, at least, that, at least it, that's how I understand it. it. There are definitely more than one approaches, uh, more than one approach to getting that base to anchor into the front of the car. And sometimes I, I would definitely say that we can surprise you with how high we cross over front speakers sometimes and how much mid base there is in the front of the car. But a lot of that, you have to be dead nuts on your delays to get it to work with the higher point, mm-hmm. higher crossover point. Yeah, uh, and 
that's kind of the good thing is, is that I got Chris around who, you know, I'll put a, a bass tune on this thing and get it sounding all right. And then he'll come in and really dial it in and say, you know, tell me to turn the shop radio down so he can listen to everything. Cause that's the, I feel like that's the one thing I really lack is the ear for perfection. If you want to call it that, because um, I'm not a musician. Uh, I haven't been to a shitload of concerts. So like, and, and kind of like where Chris's background is, is like, he can, he, he knows what a guitar sounds like. Cause he, he, used, he plays one. So when he can tune a system, it's like, that doesn't sound right. Well, for somebody like me, I'm like, it sounds like it's a guitar, man. So I, I, what I've currently had him done, he hasn't given me the list yet. Is he told me to get a good set of headphones and just listen to music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like, I was like, all right, give me 10 tracks so that I can listen to these and hear what they're supposed to sound like so that I can develop the ear that, you know, everybody else seems to have that I don't. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good segue <laughs> as, as Matt and I keep talking about this, that we are, we both have tracks that we listen to in every car that we know very, very well. And we used to analyze different things and I play them over and over again. And I go back and forth between my headphones I have a set of uh, ELAC class AB amplified studio monitors set up right on my tuning bench that if I'm in a car and like something doesn't seem right, I can go back out. I can put my headphones on or I can listen to the studio monitors and I can hear what I'm used to hearing as a reference and then get back in the car and be like, yeah, it's not right. Or it is right. The, the big thing with that tuning and the what you'll notice as you start to get more and more into that with the RTA is that you'll use the RTA to identify the problems that you didn't know you had. And that may be a delay issue. That may be an equalization issue that, you know, that could be a speaker out of phase. That could be a lot of things that as soon as you get to the measurement side of that, you'll, you'll see that and you'll grow with that stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like where I'm at right now, as far as getting the tune, be better at tuning and stuff is identifying what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah. Yeah. I think in one of the next couple episodes, we need to get into some good demo tracks that you and I both use on a daily basis. I started a Hotel California. (laughs) No, no stairway (laughs) either. Uh, So I started a Spotify playlist that I'll put onto the Instagram page. And then Mm -hmm. as we talk about songs uh, that we use, maybe we'll each bring one a week or, you know, one episode one each week and we'll put them on that spotify playlist so you guys can listen along i'd, and I'd listen to your podcast just for that honestly <laughs> i mean i do anyways but i'd listen for that it, it i listen to your guys's podcast uh specifically because both of you guys i look up to you as far as in the industry but i also want to learn some shit like when you talked about the tesla and how it drains all the goddamn batteries down and you had to put a big ass resistor on there to like combat that i'm like Oh, sweet. I'm going to remember that for when I ride to a Tesla, you know? So uh, I'm just, I'm always trying to pick up knowledge when I can. So it's, it's cool stuff like this where you guys, what you guys are doing for the industry is definitely good for it, you know? And uh, I appreciate the shit out of it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's fun. If anything, it's just uh, Gary and I not being able to talk at events anymore. So it's like, we're just like (laughs) catching up now on a weekly basis, which is really fun. Yeah. Keeps us enthused. The last SEMA that went on, uh, I was like, all right, who do I get to meet? You know, because I've never been to SEMA before. And I was like, I want to meet a bunch of people. I wanted to meet, you know, Carlson and and 
I got to meet Gary, which was pretty cool. And I was like, where's Schaefer? That's the guy that like kind of turned me around, you know, cause I was stuck in the grind. Right. And I was like, where's Schaefer? I want to meet that guy. And you left. And I was like, God damn it. Oh, <laughs> uh, so there's always, have next we, year. we we've never physically met before. Have we, you would have yeah, known there's always next year. <laughs> there's always next year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully there's next year. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully nobody, not everybody dies and we can actually have, um, knowledge fest next year. Cause that's one thing I've also, so, I'm going to do a knowledge fest. So what's next for you? Work, more work, just taking it all in. Yeah. I, um, I was kind of, I think I was really glad that I won the award, but I wanted to win it at knowledge fest cause I hadn't experienced knowledge fest and all that jazz. So, um, yeah. but what's next for me is well, that, I, that makes two of us. We yeah. both didn't get to enjoy it in front of people. Yeah. I heard your story. I didn't even win. I got to get up on stage. So yeah. it was fun having you on. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely I'm glad we finally got to do it. And thank you. We haven't, I, I guess we both get our bottles in a day or two, so we can't cheers you and talk about the whiskey that you provided, but, uh, Gary and I are both getting a bottle of something. We hear it's has a Texas bag around the bottle, but it's actually made in Canada. <laughs> maybe, so, that's, um, maybe that'll be the thumb, the, the thumb picture. That's, that's going to be fun. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that Camry, but I, I highly doubt I have pictures of it and I'll send it to you guys. Awesome. Um, that would be awesome. Cause that car was God awful. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds awesome in its own way. Yeah. Much like Matt's minivan. Yeah. So, All right, guys. Yeah. All right. I'll, uh, guess I'll see you when I go see you next and talk with you when I talk with you next. Appreciate and it. And again, congratulations on the award. Appreciate and- it. It's that's definitely a video that I won't forget just because of how organic and how the reaction was. It was really cool. It was, it was really awesome. Did you so. happen to watch my, you watched my installer of the year video, right? The one that I submitted. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you watch the whole thing? Uh, most of it. Okay. I was just curious. I'm pretty, yeah. Uh, most of it. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I put it on while I was actually like wiring amps in a car. So I just had it sitting there for quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I watched a majority of it. That's cool. I'm glad you uh, took the time to do that. I appreciate that. You know, I, yeah. I, I busted my ass on that thing and pretty proud of it. So yeah, a lot of people will never know what actually goes into those videos, even for people that don't spend a lot of time on it. I'm sure even for them, it's a lot of effort, but yeah, if you take it seriously, it's a fucking shit ton of effort. It's a lot. Of, so. And I was probably, I don't know, 90% happy with it, but, um, there was a lot of things I wanted to do, but because of time constraints, you know, I, yep. I just put in the basic fade filters and I was like, if I got time, I'm going to go back through and put motions in my pictures and stuff. And yep. I mean, it, it, the fun thing about that is you, you basically handle it like an install. You have a certain amount of time, you do the best that you can do. And that's your product at the end of the day. There was one particular point where I forgot to take pictures of the beginning part of the install. And I just put them on procreate and drew my steps in you know in procreate and then just animated it all together to try to explain what i was doing there you go and that's the effort involved in in the whole thing so that stuff does not go unnoticed hell yeah gary when are you gonna run so you just dominate everybody number uh, he's ro- rookie of the year i keep i keep holding out to doing rookie of the year because you know I've you, never all ran. you literally would have to do is just be like hi i'm gary bell 
and this is my install of the year video and then cut and that's the end of the video and then you would send it in and they'd be like fuck he, he's got my vote oh, <laughs> all right yeah. I'm, gonna let, I'm gonna let matt get to bed yeah, yeah. i was i always get the the brunt of uh these late night podcasts yeah but yeah hey you no, chose it was good you chose what the time, time to, matt hey what time I, do love, you, I love it yeah what time do you go to work in the morning Eight thirty. not bad but that's I gotta wake bad. up with kids and get them to school and stuff like that. So it's earlier than that. I yeah, I know what that's like. I got that problem too. <sighs> Brutal. Yep. But I got a kid who uh, actually wakes up to his own alarm clock and helps get my daughter ready, which is fucking great. So well, awesome. yep. All it's right, guys. Better parent than me. Yep. All right. No, All right. It's, I'm not. I'm not the role model parent. <laughs> 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 All right. I'll see you guys later. All right. Take see care. Thanks Bye. for being on.